0: Today's gospel reading is from the book of John, the 21st chapter, verses 1 to 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathan, Ale, of Cana and Dialli, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, They saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went ashore and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask them, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. The word of the Lord.
1: It's such a, a rich text that we have today and a long one. I could preach for about four or five hours on that, but I'm not going to. Um, but it, it's an important one. It's, it is now the third time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. We call these the post-resurrection appearances. And in John's gospel, this is, is the third time this has happened And oddly, or it seems kind of odd to me, that the disciples don't recognize Jesus when he is in their midst. They always seem a little um, clueless, and of course, nobody expects somebody who has passed away to show up in their midst, and they saw him die. They didn't expect to see him show up, but you'd think maybe after the second time, the third time, they wouldn't be so surprised, but every single time, they seem surprised. And yet... um, I, I, I love these post-resurrection texts because I think all of us are the stand-ins for the disciples. We don't always expect Jesus to show up in our midst, and we often don't recognize him when he does. And Jesus just seems to always give the disciples another chance. He always seems to want to give them another chance to sort of redeem themselves, They had been following Jesus for three years, and yet they still don't recognize him when he comes into their midst. And that can be true of all of us that have been following Jesus for three or 30 or 60 years. And still, we sometimes don't see Christ when he shows up, even here in our congregation and in our church. So in this encounter, Jesus meets them at the beach. They had, even after following Jesus for three years, they went right back to what they did before Jesus. We fish. And so off they go. They return to Galilee, and they go back to doing what they have always done. A nice fallback position. They go back to fishing, and this time it seems that they are struggling because they are not catching any fish. It's also curious to me that it says that Jesus meets them on the on the beach. They recognize Jesus, and then Simon Peter says, hey, let's go fishing, and they leave Jesus on the beach. I, I don't know that I would have done that. I think I might have brought him along, or I might have waited at the beach, but they head out without him, and it says that they didn't catch anything, and, and this sort of uh, theme of catching fish, of other side of the boat, shows up at different Gospels at different times, and this, in John's Gospel, it shows up here where Jesus tells his disciples, no, cast your net on the other side, where you weren't thinking, where you weren't looking, where you weren't expecting to find the fish, the abundance of God's grace, that's where you'll find it. And so sure enough, they do, and they bring in this large amount of fish. Now there, there are seven disciples there according to the text, plus Jesus, so that's eight, but they caught 153, very specific number of fish, 153 by divided by 8. I don't know. I didn't do the math. That's a lot of fish per person. Uh, more fish than they could possibly need. More than they could, conce- could, could uh, consume in one meal or in one day. More than they would need. It's just another example of God's abundance, God's grace that sort of comes and surprises us even when we're not looking. There is more than we could expect. Scholars kind of take guesses at what that 153 might mean. Some people say it's 153 nations that were known in the world at that time, or uh, lots of guesses. I think it's just a reference to the abundance, that God surprises us with more than we will ever need. And as soon as we start to, to think that, oh, we've got enough, we're fine as we are, God just piles more grace on, more grace. And so the disciples come in and uh, again they, they come to the shore and Jesus is having a barbecue. He's got the fire going. He's already got some fish but he says come ahead and bring some more fish. And they dine together. It's another sort of communion moment. And again they recognize Jesus in this broken bread in this time of shared, um, shared meals together. I, I read some commenter that, commentator that said it's, it's like a, another communion moment, so perhaps we should have fish at the communion table. And I was like, oh, no. We should definitely not have fish at the communion table. Um, we don't. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is another communion moment, another moment that in the breaking of the bread and in the eating that they recognize Christ is present among them. It makes me... Um, Sort of think of when we come down for communion, do we recognize Christ among us in our midst, perhaps in somebody sitting in the pew next to you, perhaps in somebody sitting in the aisle across from you, that Christ is present even in the midst of us breaking bread together. And then you will remember Peter. Peter is, of course, The rock, Simon Peter, the rock upon which the church is built, Jesus says. And yet he is often our most faulty disciple. And you remember that after the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, Jesus told Peter that he would betray him, and indeed Peter betrayed him three times before the cock crowed the next morning. And so Jesus asked Peter three times do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's a sort of um, a redeeming of Peter. You denied me three times, now you claim me three times. I still claim you. I, I am still ready to have you serve me. He, Jesus sort of redeems and recommissions Peter to do the important work. It's a, another moment of profound grace, when we think sometimes that we have fallen outside of the grace of God, when we have betrayed the gospel to which we hold our highest allegiance, there is Jesus saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Here's another opportunity, Peter. Here's another opportunity. And of course, Jesus links that opportunity to action. As, as Dina talked with the kids, it's not just a matter of saying that one loves Jesus. It's not a matter of just showing up for church on Sundays. It's not just a matter of, of kind of uh, talking with your mouth, but rather living it with your life. Jesus says to tend my sheep, feed my sheep, care for, care for all of God's people, go out into the world. That's how they'll know that you love me. We often sing, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by the ways that we live out that grace here in this place as, as the school for Christian formation, as a place of worship, but as we go out and tend to the world Monday to Saturday. How do you care for God's sheep? It seems to me that this, it, I have heard it said that there are two things that all of us humans need. We need both a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose. Our sense of belonging is rooted in a sense of deep community, that we are not, as humans, ever really meant to be alone. We cannot survive on our own from birth until, well, the state says 18, but lots, lots older. We need each other. We need each other to survive. We need each other to hold in community. We need belonging. Belonging is not merely a sense of uh, putting up with, but it involves a deep appreciation for who we are in our souls. Jesus offers Peter again and again that opportunity to belong to the community of disciples And then that second need, that sense of purpose, that we need something higher to connect to, a sense of calling and a sense of challenge. When we uh, think about our work as as a church, when we think about our work as individual disciples, We are called into this community. John Wesley said, there's no such thing as a solitary Christian. We are Christians because we are in community with one another. But in that community, then we are sent out into the world. We don't get to just hang out here and and call our work done, but rather we are called to go out into the world. Today, as we, we think about coming forward to communion, I want to invite you to be thinking And praying for this community, to be praying for our community here in Redondo Beach, for those who don't know the love of God and how we might share that in our community. I want to invite you to be looking for Jesus, to be recognizing Jesus all across this church, out into the world, look for the face of Christ, know that God's abundant grace is just... Sort of surrounding us, filling our nets, calling us, equipping us, forgiving us. Doesn't matter how many times we mess up, Jesus just comes right back at us, offering us the opportunity for forgiveness, for renewal, for belonging to the community, and then with a purpose for this community to be here. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks that you have called us together that you show yourself again and again to the disciples on a seashore and and to us disciples here in Redondo Beach. We thank you, God, that you show up again and again and again, calling us over and over again to your grace. Help us, God, to receive that grace, not just with our lips, but with our whole lives, to know in the depths of our being, God, that we are forgiven, that we are cared for, that we are welcome, and help us, God, to share that grace with everyone we meet, that we might be a loving witness to your abundance and your peace in the world, for it is in Christ's name that we pray,
0: amen.